We're the Denver Broncos cheerleaders, and you're listening to Sports Crunch with DCROM. This is Sports Crunch with D-Crom. I'm your host, David Cromwell. And by the time you hear these words, we'll be less than five weeks away from the 2023 NFL Draft. And one of the headlines of this draft is the tight end class. It is arguably the best overall group of tight ends to enter the National Football League in at least a decade, if not longer, because of the depth and talent at the position this year. And joining us today to do a deep dive into these tight ends is our good friend, epidemiologist by day and football analyst by night, Nick Kendall of Mile High Huddle. Nick, it's a pleasure to have you back with us again. How are you, my man? I'm doing okay. Got a new device here. Uh, so hopefully everything <laughs> is fine on that end, uh, picture quality and all that. But yeah, excited to talk tight ends. And you know, you mentioned uh, epidemiology and whatnot, but you didn't mention, I kind of have some connection to the tight ends, right? Because I went to tight end university, <laughs> University of Iowa. So it's not Miami, it's not Notre Dame. I don't care. Maybe we'll talk a little Sam reported today, but uh, no, excited <laughs> to talk tight ends. It's a really good group this year. Really talented group. Uh, tight end such a weird position in the league. I think it's a lot like linebacker where if you have like a superstar, it makes a world of difference, but there's a lot of just, you know, serviceable guys. So fun group. And this is a pretty darn special class this season. Oh, it absolutely is. And before we dive into these prospects, including Sam Laporta, I could say that this tight end class couldn't have come at a better time for the NFL. And the reason why is that there's an expectation that we're going to see more 12 personnel sets than at any time in recent memory this coming season, according to NFL insider Benjamin Albright of Sportsnaut and KOA Radio in Colorado. Teams apparently believe that groupings with multiple tight ends on the field at once are one of the best possible ways to counter the uh, two-eye safety light box defenses that have taken over this league in recent years. Do you expect to see many, if not most, teams use a lot more 12 personnel than we're used to seeing this season? Oh, that's really hard to answer. I do think just because of the tight ends that are coming in this class, you're going to see more of an emphasis on it with some of these young players. But tight ends a lot of times can take a few years to get there. And honestly, it really depends on the type of usage of your slot wide receiver in the NFL. I think we've already seen a shift that position over the last few years. I mean, the slot bodies from the wide receiver position, they're not the Wes Welker's uh Ryan Switzer's of the world, you know, some the little tossback name there. Not the small jittery guys, but you're seeing a lot of these uh, slots become much more physical, trending towards tight ends, because guess what? If you're going to play 11 personnel, your slot better damn well block, uh, be able to take on a safety or a linebacker. So I think you're seeing a little bit of overlap in the skill set of a tight end and wide receiver. The position is getting a little bit more blurred, uh, which is fun. You know, it's a matchup-based league, and uh, seeing players that can play multiple hats uh, is something that uh, you want to look for going forward. So like somebody like, uh, just to use the Broncos example, Greg Dulcich, he's probably going to line up in the slot a good bit uh, this upcoming season. He'll be in the backfield. He'll be attached sometimes, but there's going to be some slot usage for him as well. And with that, you might have an advantage uh, if you can force a linebacker into space or if they put a cornerback on you, maybe you can blast that guy uh, in the run game. So really, I mean, you will see more 12 uh, personnel, I believe, uh, just teams combating the Vic Fangio uh, style too high defense, trying to battle uh, sub packages as well. But if you have a slot wide receiver who can dig somebody out, like a Cooper Cups, for example, out of the slot, that's extremely valuable. And essentially you're playing 12 personnel with 11 personnel on the field. 
Oh, that's a very, very interesting analysis there, Nick. Thank you very much. And as talented as this tight end class is, ranking these prospects individually will vary tremendously from team to team, given the diverse flavors of skill sets they offer. And that plays into your ice cream theory very well. But if a team is looking for a classic move tight end with a similar play style to Travis Kelsey, the guy they probably want is Utah's Dalton Kincaid, who is considered the best pure receiving tight end in this class. What makes Dalton Kincaid such a dangerous weapon in the passing game? I mean, he has an unbelievable uh, trait. I don't even have the data in front of me on it, but it was like one of it was unbelievable uh, how often he's been targeted and not dropped the football. Uh, he has a pretty good catch radius, catch radius, and he's exceedingly quick. I mean, if you throw him the ball, he's got Velcro through it for his hands. I think you could utilize him in a Travis Kelsey-esque role. Now, let me rewind that real quick. I'm not saying he is Travis Kelsey, <laughs> but as was far I. as the yeah, now I'm, I'm not saying that, but as far as a <laughs> maybe even a Zach Ertz, I think he's a little faster. Then Zach Ertz uh, down the field, a little bit more vertical element to his pass game. Uh, but uh, yeah, I think that would be, uh, he's a really good weapon. A little bit older, uh, obviously with that San Diego, not San Diego State. I think it was at San Diego before uh, Utah. I could be mistaken. It could be San Diego State. Uh, did well there as well, but really just been awesome the last few years at Utah. A little older for the prospect. Uh, he's going to be, probably going to end up being my tight end two in this class. If you're looking to use, uh, if you're looking for more of that catching receiving tight end threat then he probably can be a lot of teams number one um he's competitive as a blocker but i mean that's not really his game he's the big slot type uh, and you can use him out of the backfield uh, you can use him at attached line of scrimmage out in the slot really versatile great player and again just velcro for hands you get him the, the ball near him he's probably going to come down with it and another tight end in this draft with good receiving skills is luke musgrave of oregon state Although his sample size in college was rather small due to the uh, COVID-shortened 2020 season and a season-ending knee injury he suffered early last fall, analysts and evaluators love, and I mean absolutely love, what Musgrave put on tape. As a matter of fact, both Lance Zierlein and Dane Brugler have him ranked higher than Don Kincaid on their respective boards right now. What do you see in Luke Musgrave's tape that suggests that he could be an even better pro than Don Kincaid? I mean, he's a tremendous athlete with awesome size. What did he come in at? 6'6", 255 at the combine? Something 250, around. 253, yeah. 253. I mean, yeah, that's, that's prototype, right? That's what, exactly what you're looking for. Uh, vertical ability there. He was awesome at the Senior Bowl in spite of less than standard quarterback play at the Senior Bowl this season. Uh, so he's a he's a darn good player. A big concern with Luke Musgrave, and you mentioned it already, is the missing games, durability. I think he suffered an injury at the Combine as well, or maybe didn't get all the testing in because he was nursing an injury. Uh, so that's something to watch there. But really good player was a downhill skier. Also, I believe, uh, Bill Musgrave's son. Uh, nephew. Former nephew. Nephew, excuse me. Yeah, yeah. The, in the Musgrave, uh, the bloodline there. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, he's a really interesting, unique player. I know that, uh, oh, gosh, person who first put me onto him was – Mike Renner, uh, listen to him, you know, talk about like there's a guy at uh, Oregon State, the Beavers, you got to check him out. Uh, just incredible athlete down the field, small sample size, but just watching him play. I mean, this is this is an NFL prototype tight end. So if he's healthy, uh, then he could end up being the best tight end in this class. He's, again, a great athlete down the field. I think he's got much more explosiveness than I think he even has more explosiveness than Kincaid uh, and also better size. But I don't think he's as a not as dependable and be not as savvy in terms of separating a short area. 
Yeah, it's going to be fascinating to see his development, though, because he was down at the Senior Bowl this year, and I believe he reached a speed of like 20 miles per hour, which was like faster than almost any other prospect there, and he's 253 pounds. That is unreal. He is a freak athlete uh, indeed. And uh, moving right along here, teams that are looking for a two-way tight end that's ready to contribute immediately are probably looking no further than Notre Dame's Michael Mayer. Mayer is a pretty seasoned blocker in the run game as well as a contested catch specialist. However, he isn't the freakiest athlete out there as evidenced by his combine measurements. According to MockDraftable.com, Mayer is in just the ninth percentile of tight ends with a 76.25-inch wingspan, the 7th percentile of tight ends with an arm length of 31 and 58 inches, the 32nd percentile in the 10-yard split at 1.66 seconds, and the 42nd percentile in the vertical jump at 32 and a half inches. Nonetheless, his tape speaks for itself, and for what it's worth, Dade Brugler currently has him as the top-ranked tight end in the class at this moment. Despite those combine numbers, do you see Michael Mayer as worthy of a top 40 pick, if not earlier? I think top 40 is fair for him. He's a really talented player. I mean, the tape speaks for itself. I don't think he's a super high ceiling player per se, but can do everything exceedingly well. I see like a slightly better version of Pat Fryermuth, uh, who's been a pretty darn good player for the Steelers the last few seasons. Uh, you can play him Y. He can detach as well. He's really solid with the uh, the nuance and getting a little space in the short area. And not, you know, Dalton Kincaid level, but it's a, probably the best true uh, two-way tight end in this class. I just don't know if you have much upside given the athletic limitations. Also, I don't think he, while he can be a good blocker, I don't think he's an absolute butt kicker. Uh, I want to keep it PG in here for the kids at home. <laughs> uh, but I don't think he, you know, I don't think he dominates at the point of attack. He's fine. He can get in the way. And he can, you know, drive some buys from time to time, especially in doubles. But I don't think he's like a plus player. You like, you don't want him to be, you know, leading on a power side block. Uh, but in the zone scheme, I think he can be fine there. Yes, and for all that teams may love about Michael Mayer, they may prefer a somewhat less polished yet far more athletic version of him in Darnell Washington of Georgia. Darnell Washington, this is a dude that stands at six six and five eight inches, which is the ninety third percentile. He has a jaw-dropping wingspan of 83.75 inches, which is the 98th percentile. And he ran a 4.6440 at 264 pounds. Darnell Washington will almost certainly help a run game from the get-go. He's received a lot of comparisons to uh, Mercedes Lewis, the veteran tight end who played for the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars and uh, Green Bay Packers over the years. But his usage of the passing game at Georgia was rather minimal as he only totaled 45 receptions for 774 yards and three touchdowns during his three seasons there. But as you can tell from the aforementioned measurables, plus his one-handed catch during drills at the combine, I'm sure you caught that on a highlight reel, he has massively untapped potential as a receiving weapon. Just how high of a ceiling do you think Darrell Washington has in that department? Please. I don't even think, just to go back to what you first said, a slightly bigger version of Michael Mayer, there's no version of Darnell Washington in this draft with his size and athleticism. He is a sample size of one uh, in this class. What was he? He slimmed down some for the combine, but he played yes. bigger than that. At, yeah, uh, like 270, 280 even. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's there's legitimate talk by some people who are smarter than myself uh, that you know maybe Darnell Washington could even flip to offensive tackle. I mean, there's that level of athleticism and frame on him so he's going to be my tight end one maybe i'm being suckered uh by the just freak specimen i'd love athletic freaks and you know guys who are uh again just rare 
balance out there, but you talk about teams wanting to play tight ends to get teams two out of two safe, two high safety shells. You put in Darnell Washington, who's essentially, I mean, not even the cliche, an extension of the offensive line. No, he is an extension of the offensive line. Uh, leverage is sometimes an issue with him. His blocking techniques, I think he's been able to get by with just like pure size and power a lot. So the technique, I think, is still an area that can improve uh, some. But again, Georgia has used, also he's going to play a little bit further out in space, I believe, the next level. Georgia uses really tight alignments uh, with their offensive linemen uh, at the college level. So it's not typical uh, as much in the NFL. So it'll be a little bit of a transition for him. But I mean, just the size, the athleticism, the freak, the explosiveness, and then the red zone uh, ability potential as well. You mentioned him not being totally utilized in the past game at Georgia. And I think part of that, I mean, he's never going to be a great separator. You know, he's so big, just talking about uh, get a little bit of physics in here. Uh, momentum is mass times uh, velocity, right? So they did a little yeah. physics for you, but it's because he's so big and tall, it's harder for him to change directions. But if you get him in the red zone, you know, play jump ball, that's fine. And why wasn't he used there? Well, Georgia has this tight end, other tight end named Brock Bowers, who we're going to be talking out, talking about a heck of a lot a year from now. It's probably a top 10 pick uh, at the tight end position. So not a Kyle Pitts level freak, um, but incredible uh, athlete, fluid, smooth player. I think he's even done like kick return, punt return, end arounds for the tight end that actually work. So I think that's more of a situation why Darnell Washington wasn't totally used in the past game rather than an indictment on him. Uh, but it is a projection because if you haven't seen it on tape, then you just don't know for sure. You definitely don't. And I'm glad that you mentioned uh, the talk about him converting to offensive tackle because that is exactly what Lance Zierlein wrote in his scouting report of Darnell Washington that you can see uh, on NFL.com. Do you think converting Darnell Washington to offensive tackle would be a good idea, especially in the event he does not reach his potential in the passing game? Well, I think the first person you got to ask about that is Darnell Washington, right? Like that's, right. that's a the body type and a scheme change where you approach him and be like, hey, hasn't really worked out for tight. Honestly, I don't, I don't know why it didn't happen earlier because the money to be made at offensive tackle compared to tight end is crazy different. But uh, I digress. Um, that is something that I think could happen. It's hard to say if it'd work out again. We already talked about his blocking technique being a little bit up and down the te technique wise, especially with leverage, uh, but the tools are all there. So it's, it's a major projection for him. Could happen. Uh, he has the athleticism, wingspan, movement skills, power, explosiveness. Uh, but I think right now you're taking him as a chess piece tight end and not just like a chess piece where you're moving around for the pass game, but like for the, in order to, how do I put it? dictate how opposing teams play personnel, right? Like with Darnell Washington out there, are you going to play three safeties? Are you going to play only one or two linebackers in the box? I don't know, man. That's that's a really uh, dangerous ask for them. So I'd love to see a team that's really good with the matchup football. I bring him in. A team like Cincinnati uh, would be an incredible fit for him, in my opinion, just to get, I mean, when you have to pick your poison between T. Higgins and Jamar Chase vertically versus uh, Darnell Washington kicking your butt in the uh, the run game. So uh, really a fun player. Again, I'm, I'm gushing. We've talked about him a lot already, but he's my tight end one. I'll just give you my top four uh, right now, since you're probably curious about that, maybe. Uh, but Darnell Washington one, Dalton Kincaid two. Uh, number three is Michael Mayer, uh, just because of the injuries of Luke, Mus Luke Musgrave. I really like all three. I would have, or all four, probably have Musgrave tight end three if it wasn't for the durability stuff. But from where I sit, it's too much of a question. Oh, thank you so much for uh, sharing uh, that part of your uh, big board with us, uh, Nick. And uh, yeah, uh, 
A lot of mock drafts, if not most mock drafts, at least I've seen, have been mocking Darnell Washington to the Bengals at 28 because that's arguably the biggest hole uh, on their roster. Well, you could say safety because they lost Jesse Bates and Von Bell, but uh, they already signed uh, Nick Scott uh, from the Rams, and the safety class isn't very good. Uh, so uh, there'll probably be a uh, eyeballing tight end there. And uh, if you put Donald Washington in that offense with uh, Jamar Chase and T Higgins, and if he gets his passing game chops under control, oh my God, that offense is going to be the cheat code of cheat codes there, I say. And uh, now it's time to play my favorite game come draft season, which is called buy or sell. And in this game, uh, we uh, talk about a tight end prospect that we have not uh, discussed yet. And you uh, just uh, let us know why you buy or sell their long-term potential in the NFL, starting with Luke uh, Schoonmacher of Michigan, buy or sell. Is it Schoonmacher or Schoonmaker? I always said Schoonmaker. Schoonmaker, uh, Schoonmacher, uh, uh, I don't know how to pronounce it. <laughs> potato, potato. Uh, I like Luke Schoonma uh, Schoonmaker. I think he's probably a round four talent in my book. I think he's a solid player. He's, you know, jack of all trades, master of none. Uh, you, you can use him in the, the blocking game. He's not going to get, you know, totally out of place there. Uh, he's not a glorified wide receiver, but uh, smooth on crossers. You know, he can do some stuff after the catch uh, as well. I know that uh, he was a really good tandem with Michigan a couple years ago with Eric All, uh, who suffered a back injury last year. I know Michigan has like a really good true freshman tight end as well that was really stepping up this season. Watch them. I watch a lot of good Big Ten football, obviously. Yeah, you do too out there in uh, Northwestern <laughs> country, yep. Wildcat country. But uh, <laughs> yeah, Schoonmaker's a solid player. I, th I think he's going to go around, I would assume around four, maybe round five. You're going to get a solid tight end two, tight end three for him and somebody that you can think pretty safe for and know what you're going to get from him. Maybe not exceptional in any sort of way, but a solid player. Yeah, the uh, South Dakota State Jackrabbits uh, gave us uh, Dallas Scottert about five years ago. And this year they got another good tight end in Tucker Craft. Buy or sell Tucker Craft. I got to say, I was really sad to see Tucker Craft get injured week one uh, as he was playing at the University of Iowa. Now, granted, Iowa needed all the help they can get, winning that game with two safeties and a field goal. Maybe no good <laughs> chance. Uh, but uh, Tucker Craft's my fifth tight end uh, in this class. He is not the same level athlete as a Dallas Goddard, not the same height, weight, speed specimen, uh, but a really good player. And I'll tell you, man, he he takes blocking personally. Like, he goes out there, and coaches are not going to have I mean, technically, we can talk about that some too. I mean, sometimes it's not great, but like a lot of it is want to desire passion and he gets after it. Uh, so I really like him. He's been a solid player for them. High volume player um, for San Diego state, those jackrabbits. I mean, they've, I don't want to say they've displaced North Dakota state. I don't want the bisons, you know, the herd trampling on me, but they've been pretty damn good. Uh, obviously taking it to him in the championship this year and Tucker craft has been an awesome player uh, for them. So again, solid player can do stuff uh, vertically from the tight end spot, stretch a seam as well. Uh, not like a four four forty kind of guy, but you know, really good. And again, I, maybe it's just me appreciating them, the blue collar aspect of the tight end position. Because again, watching Iowa, I have to. Otherwise, I'm gonna not have a good time watching football. <laughs> but uh, he gets after it as a blocker. So I would, if you want to run the football, if you're looking to run out of eleven personnel, uh, twelve personnel, whatever, you you need the tight end to be a part of that blocking scheme, not just a plus one. Get it done. And uh, moving right along here, Bretton Strange of Penn State. Buy or sell Bretton Strange? Uh, I think he was a highly uh, rated recruit coming in. I remember his uh, recruitment process. He's been fine uh, for them. He has some size and uh, some athleticism, a little bit small. I think he checked in at about 6'3". Uh, so he's athletic, but I think he's more of a 
inline kind of player. Might be able to do some flex stuff as like an H-back role, but not really the type of athlete or smooth player that you want to play detached from the line of scrimmage. So uh, maybe he ends up playing fullback long-term. Solid player there. He's not my favorite fullback in this class. Uh, one of my favorite things, though, you talk about the fullback, you talk about the inline ability, not as a blocker, but probably where he has to be. I think he's pretty good after the catch. You know, the, the size that he p- plays with, the uh, this has a knack for pulling down the football and doing some stuff. Now, granted, some of that might be Penn State's spread scheme. You know, they get they do pretty good about getting weapons in space. Uh, but still, uh, solid player, probably round six. That's is where I'd probably have him pegged. Davis Allen of Clemson, buy or sell Davis Allen. He's, it's so hard to judge the Clemson uh, sketchers, isn't it? I mean, they've just yeah. been so uh, erratic in their ability to just use the football, especially with the quarterback issues there. Uh, you know, not been my favorite player. Honestly, maybe that's more of me being biased uh, watching mm-hmm. Clemson this last few years. Uh, but uh if you're talking about, you know, round six, round seven, again, Davis Allen, I could see it with him. Uh, not an exceptional player, but he's fine. Yes, and Nick, you did indeed go to a tight end U at the University of Iowa. TJ Hawkinson, uh, Noah Fant, uh, Tony Moyaki, Scott Chandler, you, David. Countless tight ends have uh, come from awesome. Iowa. And, oh, yeah, Dallas Clark and George Kittle. Shame on me for forgetting George yeah. Kittle, one of the top three at his uh, position. Tight at you indeed. And the latest product from tight at you, Sam Laporta. He had a pretty dang good combine by herself, Sam Laporta. Yeah, man. Iowa does a great job of getting three-star players in there, identifying talent, and then developing them athletically, weight room, et cetera, conditioning. I mean, they just they turn them out. It's pretty incredible. If only they get a few wide receivers in there, that'd be a difference maker. But I digress. Uh, tight end you. Sam Laporta, he's not your typical Iowa guy where he's an absolute like inline butt kicker. Uh, but I think he could be a really good uh, slot slash left tight end type for an offense. He is very competitive after the catch. I don't know if you've seen the highlight of him in the, oh God, I don't even, the Music City Bowl that Iowa played against Kentucky this season. But there was a play where he bounced off, hula hooped, uh, rung around like seven or eight Kentucky defenders. I mean, it was like one of those things. It's like, oh my God, somebody take, it's like the, uh, the big brother playing tackle football with, you know, his little um, like elementary school uh, brother's kids, but uh, really good player. Iowa used him. Iowa understood that he was far and away their best pass catching weapon and they would play matchup football with him. They'd use him in the slot. He had some, even some X reps, I believe solid player, really tough uh, worker as well. And can get after it uh, as a blocker. If you need him to, I don't think it's his strength per se, but a really solid blocker. If you're looking for somebody, if you can pair him with a, really butt kicking uh in line tight end i think he'd be really good as your number one receiving type tight end he's my number six i just like craft's ability to block a little bit more uh sam laporta has also been like okay hawkinson fant they were better there statistically what happened why isn't laporta there it's a tight end friendly system i was offensive line went down a lot these last couple years they played i think every single position Sides right tackle, which was not good, was an underclassman. And they've had some struggles at quarterback, too. And also wide receiver. I mean, just everything besides tight end and running back has kind of fallen off uh, over the last five years at Iowa, even though it wasn't amazing before, but even worse. Uh, so he's really good. Uh, again, if you're listening to this after the fact, or even you, uh, David, after the show, look up Sam Laporta's catch versus Kentucky, because you want to say that's like it's a meaningless bowl game. He didn't have to play. And he is out there playing like it's the Super Bowl uh, with uh, after the catch, making guys uh, miss and just dragging them. It's an incredible play. 
Yeah, and that play, I'm sure, has endeared him to many scouting departments around the NFL. And last but not least for buy or sell, uh, this guy turned some edge at the Senior Bowl, Payne Durham of Purdue. Buy or sell, Payne Durham. I am buying him in about the fifth, sixth round if you're looking for a pure wide tight end. Uh, pretty solid player there at Purdue. Can do some stuff in the red zone just because he's so big. He's not going to get separation. But, like, if you have a quarterback you can trust hitting some of those, uh, you know, cover three, uh, trying to beat cover three breakers up the middle uh, between the safety and the uh, boundary corner, then he definitely can play that role. Uh, made some good plays. I think he's pretty good above the rim. He's somebody that if the Broncos hadn't brought in Chris Manhurts, I was probably going to peg him, you know, round five, round six uh, for the Broncos. So a uh, really good inline guy if you're looking for that wide tight end, probably one of the better wide tight ends in the class. Honestly, if you're looking for that pure uh, classic inline Y. And Nick, uh, is there a sleeper tight end prospect in this class that you don't believe is getting the attention he deserves? And if so, who is that prospect and why do you love him so much? Uh, I have two. If you want to get into it a little bit, one of them has gotten hype, but I feel like we should at least mention him in this class. And that is Zach Koontz uh, was brought also to uh, Penn state, maybe even the same uh, class as a stringer, uh, but Koontz tested unbelievably the combine massive, incredible athleticism. And that's something that tends to translate uh, to the NFL when you're that level of a height, weight, speed athlete. Good deal with an injury this year, uh, transferring uh, to Old Dominion, so the tape isn't all there. But, I mean, you're talking round three, round four with that level of athletic testing. Even in a deep class, somebody's going to take a shot on him. So, Koontz, I mean, just like you look at his ra Ross, you look at his mock draftable uh, spider graph, it's all unbelievable. Uh, so, somebody that you're going to watch for there. Uh, the other one that I like, and this maybe this is one of my bets in the class, uh, but it's Braden Willis from Oklahoma. Now he's, I think he's going to transition to more of a fullback tight end kind of position, but um, did everything for Oklahoma. Um, really just a tough player, good blocker, especially when he lined up in the backfield and a special teams guy as well. I mean, he went out there and competed on special teams. Uh, I think it was, I listened to an interview with uh, Brent Venables uh, two months ago, uh, three months ago, and he was tripping over himself talking about the special teams ability and the work ethic and just like being a dude's dude. Uh, Braden Willis was. Uh, I know he didn't test incredibly. I know most people have him like sixth or seventh round, but if you're looking for somebody to compete at the fullback spot, I'd be very interested. Yes, and uh, the way you describe Braden Willis to me, the name that immediately uh, popped into my head, Kyle Juszczyk, uh, because the 49ers, I'm sure, you know, they love to use him in the passing game as well as a uh, blocker uh, in all forms. And uh, the Kyle Shanahan offense is the most in vogue scheme of the National Football League right now. Do you think he could play a Kyle Juszczyk kind of role in an NFL offense? Oh, man, I don't know if he's a Kyle Juszczyk level athlete, <laughs> but uh, I think he could be someone that could be utilized out there uh, for the position. Use check is just such a sample size of one. Uh, but the thing I really like with, uh, again, Willis coming back to it, is that you're going to have a productive player who has a pathway to the field because even if he doesn't end up being a good tight end or fullback in the league, the special team's ability is going to stand out for you as well. Um, so he's one that uh, at least I thought deserved shout out um, for this. But putting him in the use check air. It gives me a little bit of pause because Juszczyk is, you know, probably the best tight end in the NFL in the last decade and really pretty much a sample size of one on that one. I can't even think of anybody who'd come close to that, um, but we'll see. And then the last name again, sorry, give me one name. Here's three. Uh, Talking's never been a weakness for me. Elijah Higgins played wide receiver 
at uh, Stanford, but it sounds like he's going to be moving over to the uh, the big slot uh, tight end position. So uh, watch out for him. I know he got some run there at the Senior Bowl and looked pretty good uh, in the slot position too. So uh, Elijah, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, Elijah Higgins, name to keep out for it as well. Late in the draft, if you're looking for that specific, you know, little Jordan Humphrey body type. Yes, and uh, as good as this tight end class is, as I'm sure you know, as a guy who is obsessed with uh, analytics and value when it comes to the draft, the return on investment when it comes to drafting tight ends in the first round is not that good, historically speaking. Thus, my question to you is this. If you were a team in desperate need of offensive weaponry, would you be willing to spend a first-round pick on a tight end this year, or would you be content to wait until day two, even if the top four are gone by then? Hmm. That's. I mean, it's so tough to say because it's really situationally from team to team. Like if you are, again, lose the Bengals, they could be one player away um, from going out there and uh, really just becoming a incredible team with a tight end out there. Or if you're a team like the Falcons who door tight ends, I mean, imagine being in Darnell Washington into that Falcons team that runs as much uh, two tight end sets as anybody not named the Ravens. I mean, good luck. Uh, so a team like that, I could see them. I'm not saying the Falcons should use the eighth overall pick on a tight end, but uh, trade up or trade down. I mean, maybe it happens. So it's situationally overall. I'd want to see, is there an offensive tackle available? I like more. Is there a wide receiver available? I like more edge rusher, defensive line, cornerback. Does my quarterback position feel good? Is there somebody there? Um, but with this class specifically, with the lack of, you know, wide receiver one options in there, I think it's certainly one that uh, picked 20 to 50. We could see five tight ends come off the board. He is Nick Kendall, ladies and gentlemen, Mile High Huddle. Uh, follow him on Twitter at Nick Kendall, M-H-H. Nick, thank you so much once again for joining us. But before I let you go here, uh, let's uh, match uh, these uh, tight end prospects with uh, certain teams. And we start with Dalton Kincaid. Uh, if he's on the board at uh, 31, uh, do you see the Chiefs uh, considering him as a potential long-term successor to Travis Kelsey? Oh, yeah, for sure. I could see that happening. Uh, that'd be a really horrible thing for you to even mutter David. Uh, <laughs> do that. but uh yeah i could see that happening i mean they'd find a way to utilize those tight ends he's good yak i mean short area that that makes that'd be an interesting fit it doesn't necessarily complement travis kelsey per se but you know you reload and who better to learn from all those nuances and whatnot of the position than uh, putting him behind travis kelsey yes uh, any other teams come to mind for Dalton Cade in terms of a fit Ah uh, man, it's it's so hard to say what's going to happen with a team like Green Bay, but uh, they could definitely use some more weapons out there. They're going to have some picks probably coming from the Jets here, so that'd be an interesting one. Uh, the, the Chargers as well, uh, they didn't really get great uh, value from Gerald, Gerald Everett last season, so maybe that's a one. And then, of course, you come back to the team that's used tight end the most in the NFL, in the Baltimore Ravens, so maybe that's a team that could add him. Uh, finally, maybe also the... No, they, they like Evan Ingram there. I was going to say more of a... Darnell Washington for Jacksonville, but that'd be an interesting team uh, there as well. And Dallas just lost uh, Dalton Schultz, right? Uh, so right. that'd be a really interesting fit as well. Oh, absolutely. I actually mocked uh, Dalton Kincaid to the Cowboys in my uh, pre-combine mock in the episode I did with uh, Jeff Barnes a couple weeks ago. And best team fits for Luke Musgrave. Luke Musgrave, I think he's probably going to go back end of the first, probably to mid-second. I could see a team, some maybe like the Raiders, looking to uh, replace somebody like a, they just lost Darnell 
uh, Darren Waller. Yep, uh, I, saw, I don't know if you saw the news about um, Foster, Foster Moreau. Moreau. Yeah, best wishes yeah. to Foster Moreau. Uh, uh, he's a free agent tight end uh, during a routine physical with the New Orleans Saints. Uh, he was diagnosed with a Hodgkin's lymphoma, and thus uh, he is stepping away from football to rightly focus on his uh, chemotherapy treatments. Uh, you're going to beat this, Foster. We're with you. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, again, the Raiders, maybe. I keep mentioning the Packers. They really need weapons, and they seem like a team that might be leaning towards that a bit. Uh, the Falcons down the line a little bit as well. The Packers seem hell-bent. Or, excuse me, the Jets. I said the Packers. But the Jets seem hell-bent on adding weapons. So that'd be an interesting team. Somebody in you know that early uh, second to mid-second range, I think that's where he comes off. What about the best possible team fit for Michael Mayer? Michael Mayer, somebody solid. I mean, Michael Cowboys would be good for him. It just seems like a really lunch pail kind of guy. Uh, not going to be exactly like a uh, Jason Witten out there, but you know, they like their tight ends. They just lost one, uh, no doubt. So that'd be an interesting team. I could see he's really utilizing him as well. They're again, leaning more towards 12 and 21 personnel, trying to get teams out of those two high safety shells. So maybe they take a pick on a tight end. They, we saw a couple years ago they used a first-round pick on Clyde Edwards Alaire. So obviously they don't care too much about the uh, positional value of that. Uh, maybe also you see a team. It's kind of hard to say because uh, I was going to say the Giants, but the Giants are Brian Dable, you know, spread almost like. So that'd be an interesting one. And then I mean, with how much uh, Evan Ingram is a detached, you know, weapon in space type of uh, tight end, maybe getting somebody who can be more classic in line. Uh, like a mayor would be be a fun player for uh, Doug Peterson and uh, Trevor Lawrence. And uh, you mentioned uh, Michael Mayer is a hard hat lunch pail kind of player. He's a Dan Campbell kind of player. How about the Lions uh, uh, using him uh, to potentially replace TJ Hawkinson? See, the thing is, they TJ Hawkinson was still a really good, solid player, but I don't think they valued the tight end position enough from the scheme of Ben Johnson to maximize him. So they felt okay moving on from him where a team that seemed to have liked that position more and value it more in the Vikings wanted to bring him in. So that to me actually says that even though there's a vacancy there, I'm reading that as they don't value the tight end as much. They're more looking at potentially wide receiver uh, for that room as opposed to tight end. Now, also, if they want to get a solid tight end, we talked about how deep this class is, they can wait rather than using a first-round pick on it. Yes, and in terms of Donald Washington, we talked about the Bengals. We talked about the Falcons as a good landing spot for him. But uh, I think uh, something that you mentioned that went a little under the radar, uh, Jacksonville. Uh, Jacksonville using him as a compliment to, to Evan Ingram, that would be a dream. It'd be really, it'd be a fun thing uh, for them, no doubt. Uh, give Trevor Lawrence a little bit, hit, hit the easy button sometimes. You know, that's one that you could yeah. look for. Uh, maybe a team like, uh, if he falls early, maybe team like the Houston Texans looking to protect whoever quarterback is, get him a somebody you can just toss it up to in the red zone uh, and somebody who can really help them in the run game, uh, make it so those third downs aren't as uh, tedious, as difficult. Uh, that'd be an interesting team. I mean, he also seems like a real smash mouth kind of guy. Maybe Titans, you know, that's a team that's really loved to use the tight ends more so when Arthur Smith was there. But still, I mean, if he falls early second because of the lack of production in the past game, um, maybe Titan, the Titans at 41 are an interesting team. And God, Lord help us all if he falls like 46 to the New England Patriots. Definitely. And uh, best team fit for Luke Schoonmaker. That's hard to say. A team that needs a tight end two or three, you know, round three, a day three of the draft. It really depends on a lot of the same teams we've already mentioned, uh, right? To that, But if they don't, more doesn't fall to them or they don't value one enough for them to uh, take one in the first three rounds, then definitely somebody that uh, could fit there. What about Tucker Craft? 
I think he's your Michael Mayer. If you miss the teams that we miss, listen for Michael Mayer as good fits. You wait, you know, 20 picks later, then you're probably talking Tucker Craft. I mean, Tucker Craft's a damn good player. So I think he's probably going to go in the top 60. Uh, maybe again, let's say the Patriots, or excuse me, the Cowboys end up going somebody else there. Pick 58, Tucker Craft would be awesome for them. I don't know if you remember a few years ago, they were, I think they were pretty peeved that the Eagles jumped them to take uh, Dallas Goddard. Uh, Dallas so Goddard, while the draft was in Dallas to add its yes. injury there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's, I think the Cowboys are 58 would be very excited to bring him in. Uh, again, mentioned the Chargers earlier, that that's a team that could use it some offensive weaponry to help out um, and help out the tackles as well. They, they have pick 54. That'd be an interesting fit for them. Uh, so anywhere in that, you know, mid second round, I think is a good spot to peg him. And last but not least, the best possible team fit for your fellow Iowa Hawkeyes, Sam Laporte. Not the Chiefs. Let's just keep him out <laughs> of the AFC West. I think a team like the, really, who's going to want to use more 21 personnel, 12 personnel going forward? He's more, you know, he can, I think he could play a little backfield, but it's more inside outside. Honestly, he kind of does compare somewhat to Dalton. Uh, Schultz coming out, you know, Dalton Schultz improved a lot as a blocker. Wasn't really viewed as that great blocker uh, coming out of Dallas, but got be- uh, coming out of Stanford, excuse me, but got better there. Maybe that's a team that could look into him there. Uh, anyway, again, same teams we just talked about for Cooper Craft. If you're looking for a little bit more receiving ability, Yak, uh, maybe you prefer Laporta to Craft. I think Craft and Laporta are going to be flipped on a lot of teams' boards. Uh, so any of those teams we just listed potentially could uh, take him. Nick Kendall, ladies and gentlemen, catch his work at milehighhuddle.com and follow him on Twitter at Nick Kendall, M-H-H. Nick, thank you so much once again. And that's it for today here on Sports Crush. But we'll be back in just a few days with more of our 2023 Dash of the Draft series as my main man, Bill Carroll of Nuts and Bolts Sports, joins us to break down this year's deep and extra special talented running back class. So stay tuned. Also, be sure to follow me on Twitter at dcrob 59 and on Instagram and now TikTok at Sports Crush with Dcrob. And remember, they that's Crunch with a K. For Nick Kendall, this is David Cromwell saying so long. And as Nick always says at the end of this podcast, please choose love, please choose kindness, please choose compassion, please choose selflessness, and please choose empathy, which are the core characteristics of the best teammates and teams in all sports. Until next time, cats and kittens, stay cool. Stay cool.